0: You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, ChristianHumanist.org. This land is your land, and this land is my land, from the California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the City of Man podcast. My name is Coyle Neal. I'm an associate professor of political science at Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri. In 2017, the hashtag MeToo began to spread across social media. Five years later, the Southern Baptist Convention caught up with the culture. When Guidepost Solutions published the Report of the Independent Investigation the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee's response to sexual abuse allegations and an audit on the procedures and actions of the credentials committee uh, which is something of a mouthful uh, but to help us think about that uh, joining us today is John Whitehead. Uh, John is an attorney who has appeared before the Supreme Court in religious liberty cases including last term's Carson V. Mackin. Uh, John has represented churches, state conventions, and ministry organizations. Uh, he has served as an SBC trustee uh, and uh, John, you're you, you live in Kansas City with your wife and kids, and you're also the attorney for the convention, is that right? The state convention. Uh, I
0: have I have been an attorney for the convention at times. My uh, my dad is general counsel for the okay. Missouri Devs Convention, but
1: Andrew, uh, our parliamentarian, I work on projects. And you're our parliamentarian, right? Or one of I our have served as parliamentarian at times. That's true. So you're the the iron fist keeping the, and, the meeting moving forward.
0: And uh, and I am a Southwest Baptist University graduate, so I hit all of the. All of the
1: important points, and and that is the only important school you have ever been to. Uh, That's right. For our listeners, right. John is also a Harvard Law School graduate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no no points for guessing which one goes to the top of the resume there. <laughs> uh, so let's let's start with the basics. This uh, this this report. Um, uh, which the report also does. Uh, so to its credit, the, the report begins by going into what the Southern Baptist Convention is in its structure. Uh, can you uh, give us just a quick overview of, of the, the Southern Baptist Convention, how, how it's structured? I'm assuming most of our listeners aren't going to know anything about this.
0: Yeah, it's, it's only offensive to say it's got a de- deliberate structure. Uh, the SBC is a very complex web of uh, Baptist congregational relationships. So the easiest way to describe it is uh, that it is a the convention itself is a Georgia corporation, uh, and then that corporation uh, meets in an annual meeting three days a year, well, and then the rest of the year it is represented by an executive committee, uh, which is headquartered in Nashville. It's a Tennessee corporation. And then the convention has various entity ministries, uh, several seminaries and some, some other entities uh, and the convention is a sole member of each of those corporations uh, each of those corporations is run by a board except for the convention corporation itself uh, and so uh, every year when we meet at an annual meeting uh, in a congregational format, a democratic format, uh, Southern Baptists elect trustees for each of those corporations, that's a major portion of our business. Uh, I guess the Baptist spin on what those corporations are, how we're structured differently, uh, you'd have to go to the Baptist faith, and message which describes kind of the purpose of the convention and what Baptists believe, uh, and Baptists say they believe that Christ's people should organize associations and conventions Uh, As may best secure cooperation for great objects of the kingdom of God So it's a little bit different in that we don't say Churches should go put themselves under the authority of a denomination Uh, Baptist national organizations like the Southern Baptist Convention Are far more transactional There's a purpose for the organization And it's a form of cooperation by local churches To accomplish a specific objective and so each of the entities is a ministry objective, in some sense, of the Southern Baptist Convention and its affiliated churches.
1: So uh, somebody, I was talking about this to somebody, and I, I won't use his name because I don't have permission to do that, but he uh, was trying to explain the Southern Baptist Convention. He shut the doors and pulled the shades and turned on some background noise and made us shut off all of our phones and, and whispered quietly, it's a confederacy of churches. Uh, <laughs>
0: That, that that may be unfair, uh, unkind, uh, but I understand what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. so
1: the, the idea being that we are, we are not a top-down entity like the Roman Catholic Church or the Episcopal Church or the Methodist Church or the Presbyterian Church. Uh, rather, uh, the, the Southern Baptist Convention uh, is an entity which is governed by the Southern Baptist Churches, uh, but because the Southern Baptist Churches are not meeting all of the time together, uh, the executive committee then run sort of the, the business of the convention for the year, uh, except for that three days a year when we meet together.
0: Right, I'm not sure people have any better idea, but in law it looks a lot more like a co-op, where okay. you have members that have come together to do a specific thing together uh, and and they run it, but it's not over them it's downstream of them, and that's that's the Baptist distinction so it's, it's run in a congregational format, at least the, the annual meeting for this SBC, uh, and then uh, each of the each of its works are entrusted to groups of trustees that run corporations that house those ministries. So there's kind of a central uh, middle to the wheel, and uh, and then there's kind of these ministries. The, uh, the ministries are not independent of the convention, but the churches are independent of the convention. Right. So, so we say that are autonomous. And then there are other layers. There are other state level organizations or regional level organizations, usually called associations or state conventions, and those are all autonomous of each other to some degree. Now, we're, right. all, we're all Baptists, but officially, uh, ecclesiologically, and uh, legally, we're not supposed uh, the, the various layers are distinct. The local church is different from the convention, the convention is different from the states, uh, and the states are different from the
1: associations right and and this this can be a challenge for Americans because we're we 're used to thinking uh despite our history of federalism we we 're still used to thinking sort of hierarchically right? the national government's in charge uh the state government is sort of second in charge, and then local governments have to do with the other two governments say in the Southern Baptist Convention, the national Convention, the state convention, and the local convention are all separate entities. Uh, and none of them have authority over local churches. So my my membership in First Baptist Church, Bolivar, Missouri, uh, or your membership and I'm sorry, I forget where you're at. Um, an abundant life,
0: yeah. Just yeah to, uh, abundant life, so.
1: right? Uh, uh, is is independent of uh, our our association with each other. So the the national convention, and this this uh, was the example that I, I use in class. Uh, when I was a member of a church in D.C., uh, the Southern Baptist Convention had passed a resolution condemning the Boy Scouts for uh, uh, openly homosexual leaders. Uh, it was the first time they'd done that, uh, and pastor was reporting on this. And someone in the church stands up and says, "Well, does that mean I have to like take my kids out of Boy Scouts? Like, is this uh, what What does this mean for our local church?" And the pastor's response was, eh, "Nothing. Like, it, we we could decide something uh, along those lines if we wanted to, but I'm just reporting to you what was done. It doesn't actually affect anything we do here."
0: Yeah. And, and so, even, even to say what we've just said, the problem, of course, is there are exceptions to all of these rules. Uh, it is true that we are autonomous of each other, but it is not true that we all have to accept anybody who comes down the pike. Right. So we we can exclude. Uh, we can decide each each body can decide how big its membership, or how wide its tent, uh, big its tent should be. And I think we are at a point of conflict over. Uh, what to do. Historically, it's been very easy to say, well look, if you're going to support Baptist causes, you're going to come to a Baptist meeting where all we do is preach for three days, that's not wrong. Even if you're a terrible person, you're a terrible convicted murderer, sinner, whatever you are, you giving money to missions and you coming to a Baptist meeting, still a good thing. This is a good thing even terrible people could do, and, and we would not exclude you from our meeting to hear the gospel, and we would still cash your check because the devil's had that money long enough. And so, <laughs> historically, there's been very little impetus to say, "Yeah, we're not going to cash your check and don't bother showing up." Yeah. So, so except, uh, sorry, go ahead. Ex, yeah, except we have found that there are some cases in which the body does want to say, "Actually, we're not going to cash your check and don't bother showing
1: up." So, uh, so uh, I wanted I want to get back to this again at the end, but uh, what are the as much as there are requirements to be part of the National Southern Baptist Convention, uh, what are they, and then what does it take to, to get disfellowshipped? Uh, what does it take to get booted from the convention? Uh, what what has led to that in the past?
0: Yeah, so you can, you can look up the requirements there in the SBC Constitution. Uh, And we've amended that document a few times but since the about the 50s it's been pretty consistent that the definition of a cooperating church a church affiliated with the SBC is that you are in friendly cooperation with the convention uh, and its programs Uh, and obviously that means you can't be opposed to it uh, in some sense but that is left up to the convention to decide What does it mean to be in friendly cooperation? there's a credentials committee, which in theory enforces (coughs) challenges to credentials. If somebody showed up to an annual meeting uh, and somebody said, look, First Methodist Church should not be here. We love them, but they're not Baptists. Then somebody can make a challenge. The credentials committee would come to the convention and and make a recommendation, Uh, sometimes a a preliminary ruling, but generally would bring it to the floor if, if there's dispute and let the body decide Look, are we going to let the Methodists vote here or not? Uh, Occasionally, folks have brought too many messengers. Uh, For each cooperating church, there's a formula for how many messengers or delegates you can send to the annual meeting. Uh, And so uh, that number, that formula has changed over the years. And every, every once in a while, somebody will try to bring too many messengers. Somebody will try to bring messengers that aren't really members of that church. Uh, historically, that's been the kind of technicalities that would have gotten you booted. <clears throat> if you had a major doctrinal issue, uh, you didn't believe in the virgin birth, or uh, you uh, had a position on uh, a kind of charismatic position on uh, spiritual gifts, normally you would have already run into problems at your local association uh, or your state convention. And so it would be rare that it, the. It, if you had a doctrinal issue A public scandal issue That your first uh, Line of interrogation would be The Southern Baptist Convention So normally you say, look, I'm, I'm tired of the Baptists they, they won't let me go to their local meeting The state Baptists won't let me go to the state meeting I'm not going to travel out of town to national meeting Just to make a point I'm uh, Probably not going to show up So historically the national meeting Gets the least number of issues Because uh, uh, the state associate or state conventions or local associations have already kind of flagged your disagreement with what it means to be in friendly cooperation
1: Now, but, how, uh, how aggressive is that scrutiny at, at any level? Uh, obviously, it's going to be more local, but uh, uh, so if if there is, you know 5th, 15th Baptist Church of capital city uh, uh, whatever state uh, and they they deny the Trinity but it's not on their website, and you'd have to go and hear the sermon, or or it is on their website. Uh, does does the convention check that sort of thing, or did they wait on someone to bring it to them, or
0: is it just however thi- the spirit
1: moves? I mean,
0: yeah, in in theory, you know, it usually takes somebody to bring it to their attention. They they don't go investigate. They're not resources to be the Baptist FBI. Uh, they're a bunch of laymen, and traditionally they met you know either at the convention or right before. So it's it's not you know, it used to be that the only punishment they could give was to say you can't seat messengers at this year's three day meeting. That was the only punishment. Uh, and so it was kind of beside the point to say, well, should we cash their check the rest of the year? Uh, and, and like I said, I think for the overwhelming majority of the 20th century, it was hard to get Baptists to do uh, any kind of uh, negative church discipline. Right. To take somebody off a Baptist church role, if you went to Baptist churches, uh, you'd find dead people on the rolls because nobody liked to take somebody off. It would it would make somebody mad if you suggested they weren't a member of First Baptist Church, even if you hadn't been there in 10 years. Maybe you were just sick or maybe you were on vacation. Uh, So because of that, there was lots of inertia about taking anybody off a Baptist role. You get these churches with. 10,000 members, but only 1,000 on Sunday, and people would rightly say, well, is that really a member? What does it mean to be a member? But for most of the 20th century at the local church level and the convention, there was very little uh, desire to go kick people off of roles. Again, w- whatever kind of person you were, you could be a terrible person, but if you wanted to support the gospel and you wanted to go here preaching, we were very reluctant to kick you out and say well that's not cooperating it's not like you were going to run the meeting you'd get outvoted even if you showed up with uh, uh, ideological positions that were opposed to the convention so there was very little impetus to kick people out un- until it became within vogue to have either uh, uh, to women preachers uh, female preachers and head preachers uh, and that was part uh Part of the concern or Really what what sparked uh, Kind of more consistent action Was uh, Homosexuality Churches that would affirm homosexuality Or have homosexual ministers And those would all, both tend to cause Kind of a kerfuffle In local media or in the association Here's Baptist Church You know, First Baptist Church, Pretty Prairie And they've got a gay minister And they're Southern Baptist, And so look what changes are coming and so you would notice people flaunting doctrinal positions in a way that got press or publicity that caused people to be confused about what Southern Baptists believed. Uh, and that really triggered a response uh, in, at the national level to say, well, look, if, if you're going to be public about it and it comes to our attention in a way that confuses the Baptist faith message, you're probably going to get some response from the credentials committee. Uh, so that was that was really the only time in which the Credentials Committee, I'm aware of, affirmatively would kind of pay attention throughout the year and say, "Look, it's come to our attention, X Y Z Church is doing something very public that's wrong uh, uh, in a way that confuses the message." Uh, otherwise, for matters of uh, matters that could be overlooked, we're often overlooked. Uh, you, you talk about the Holy Spirit. I am sure uh, if we had an inquisition to find out who has taught the Holy Spirit with a three-leaf clover, which is a heresy, it's everybody, right? But there is no inquisition. <laughs> There's no inquisition to throw those churches out because of their heretical beliefs on the Holy Spirit
1: everyone would assume,
0: well, in the main they got it right.
1: It's necessary for flannel graph, therefore. Right,
0: that's right. We we know what you meant, and the whole man's ministry can't be uh, boiled down. There was very little impetus to say, we're going to throw you out because of arguable differences, or even Mm. what what people saw as kind of uh, irrelevant problems. Uh, There was no inquisition over the three-leaf clovers, There's really no inquisition about Open table at communion, even though, in theory, Baptists probably are supposed to be uh, a restricted table or closed table. Uh, but if you gave communion to the community instead of baptized members of a local Baptist church, probably not a big deal. Uh, there are other areas we all agree to disagree on about uh, what's it mean to have a Baptist church run by democratic principles. Uh, lots of authoritarian <laughs> <laughs> congregationalism uh, out, in, out in practicality. Uh, especially as corporate CEOs were kind of the leading governance model. So uh, there has never been a rush to kick people out of the Southern Baptist Convention because choosing to cooperate in the mission, again, this is this is uh, a, a somewhat transactional relationship, but choosing to cooperate with the convention in its objectives was not seen as wrong. No matter what are the wrong you've done, this was seen as usually a good step, and only recently <coughs> have we come to think, well, you could you could be abusing us. You could use the Southern Dems Convention name wrong in a way that confuses people about our mission, undermines our mission, uh, and in that case, we may come to the decision it's not worth cashing your check or letting you come to our annual
1: meeting. Well, let's uh, uh, we could we could talk Southern Baptist politics all day, but we should we should get on to the report. Uh, can you can you give us a quick overview of the report itself? Uh, what is it? Where did it come from?
0: <laughs> yeah, so so that of course is a matter of Baptist politics. Uh, there, there's certainly a, a stream of that. Uh, I think uh, a couple of sources. One was reporting by uh, uh, the Houston Chronicle, correct? Uh, yep. concerning abuse in Baptist churches. Uh, and, and, uh, Hughes Crockett reported on a number of cases in which local Baptist churches appeared to have had suspicions or had, uh, concerns about an individual abusing, uh, either women or children. Uh, and instead of reporting that to sister churches or having some way to talk about that, they would, uh, what they call, pass the trash they would allow that person to leave and set up ministry in another place. And from statistics and and studies, we know, uh, unfortunately, that's a common pattern in all kinds of organizations. Uh, It often takes, I think, uh, the, the stat I've heard is it takes seven or eight times, usually seven or eight people with suspicions, before somebody finally puts it all together and says, aha, here we have a case of somebody who's a predator or grooming or abusive uh, it's not just uh, one person It's not just concerns There's a real problem here And and I think it's fair to say Because of Baptist autonomy There are ways in which uh, Our autonomy from each other Means we don't talk To each other uh, Although I will say We used to do more in the past uh, And in ways in which we're afraid to talk I think that's probably the biggest issue Is that local churches uh, at least well-intentioned local churches Are concerned about lawsuit liability They've heard, you, you know, it's rank, name, rank, and serial number When somebody goes to a new employer And so if, if church, uh, you know, the next church calls down And says we'd like a employment reference For John Doe, your minister uh, They're scared of a lawsuit And so they'll say yes, John Doe's our employee And here are dates of service And beyond that we won't talk Because we're independent of each other uh, whereas uh, you know they are unlikely to say, well, we had some concerns. John treated women oddly, and there were some concerns about the length of his hugs and uh, how he was touching women. Nobody would say that. They would just give uh, the the minimum. Uh, part of that's lawsuit risk, and part of that's culture. Uh, uh, but legally, the problem there is. Because Baptists are each independent, that can count as a publication for defamation cases. And so you would get churches occasionally that were sued when uh, they would kind of talk about moral concerns, fitness for ministry, and and that silencing effect meant Baptist churches faced a legal problem and certainly perhaps a cultural problem in talking to each other about fitness for ministry. Uh, and so the Chronicle did that reporting, identified several uh, churches that uh, had matched that pattern, talked to abuse advocates uh, who said the convention had been uh, uh, largely non-responsive to those concerns about local churches, that when concerns about local church were co- made, known to Nashville, the executive committee of the SBC, that they'd really not gotten a response or that they had received offensive responses, There, those reports as well. So that's one stream of general concern There's kind of a black eye in the media about these issues uh, and, and the convention made, frankly, some bumbling responses There were attempts to, uh, to give the credentials committee more power But we've just talked about this is a group that traditionally does not do that They're not the Baptist FBI And so uh, the question was, what can they really do? Uh, And they took mostly a minimalist view Probably for litigation purposes Or litigation concerns They took a minimalist view of their own power Uh, And so many of the churches That were listed in the Chronicle uh, As having contributed to abuse Or responded poorly in the past uh, Were not excluded from the convention Either they've apologized Or we think they're on the right path But very little happened to those churches And so uh, that was uh, a problem Then the trigger for the report Was in uh, 2021 Dr. Russell Moore Left the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission uh, and, and at the time there was a letter That was leaked to RNS And in that letter Dr. Moore says the reason he is Leaving the Southern Baptist Convention He went to Christianity Today As a public theologian Uh, But in that letter, he describes a culture within the SBC executive committee uh, that sounded poisonous. There are references to child abuse and uh, tearing up women, chewing up women, and secret meetings. uh, And that was released about a week before the SBC convention in 2021. It looks like there was another letter in 2020 that had been written and then put away. Uh, but certainly when that letter was released in 2021, that landed like a bombshell uh, at the SBC meeting in Nashville <clears throat> and uh, uh, messengers uh, at that meeting, uh, Grant Gaines and and some others who uh, are SBC trustees are well known in the SBC, but they made motions at that meeting to have an independent investigation of the executive committee which was the entity referenced in Dr. Moore's letters. Uh, And so uh, the messengers at that meeting also moved to appoint a committee to oversee that investigation uh, and in essence ordered the executive committee to turn that uh, investigation over to an independent committee. Uh, And so what we see this year, the report is the end result of that process where uh, an outside party was hired uh, to investigate the executive committee and issue a report uh, on what it found.
1: Well, I think that's uh, uh, that's interesting. I, I guess before I before I comment on the report, so I uh, I've read it uh, and uh, then I think they might have modified it after I read it, which is always super irritating. Where um, uh, my understanding is, some of their recommendations changed in response to. Either the the article you wrote or the article that Aaron Wren wrote, um, but uh, so I I'm, I'm hesitant to to comment publicly since they've changed it and if someone goes and reads it they might.
0: Yeah. So so at the end there was kind of a scramble. So there yeah. was there was the report and it came out. Uh, I'll get these dates wrong, but it came out two or three weeks before the convention,
1: and, and that
0: was from mm-hmm. Guidepost. Guidepost was the investigation firm that have been hired and they've been supplied by some of the investigators from the convention uh, and they've been asked to go through the executive committee's files and and there was a side battle over whether or not the executive committee would waive privilege, attorney-client privilege over its files uh, in the fall uh, and some trustees had resigned over that. Uh, so the end result of the report came out in May. I understand there were a couple of tweaks later uh, that folks said things have been taken out of context and they they agreed to apply context Uh, but then the report itself guidepost made recommendations as to what next steps the convention should take but the actual committee that was overseeing the implementation took the recommendations and said actually we're going to make our own recommendations now and recommend that the convention not Adopt all these recommendations right now. Uh, and in fact, we'll do some of those in the future. So what changed was the recommendations from the committee, not from guideposts. So the committee made some recommendations and then about a week later said, oops, uh, bad as polity concerns there. Uh, and we're going to make some changes and, and then we're still going to appoint a committee to oversee implementation and come back and tell us what we can really do or not do as, as if that remains an open question. I like think that'll be a, that is that is one interesting thing. I'm not sure everyone expected that to to happen. Uh, but the approach has been to say uh, we're, we're going to adopt a couple of things in 2022. We're going to appoint a committee, and we expect them to come back in 2023 and make further recommendations about how we can make guidepost recommendations fit Baptist polity Guidepost said they'd done that, but apparently there was some concern. And so they're going to wait and see. uh, We'll wait and see what the implementation task force brings to the convention next year.
1: Oh, oh, no doubt. Certainly, one of my criticisms. I, I I think they do a, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I think they do a good job explaining Baptist polity, right? The, the structure of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, Then they have their, their uh, investigation of the, uh, the sexual assault charges and so forth. Uh, I don't think they do a good job of, of making recommendations in a way that bring those two things together. Uh, I think they basically ignore everything that they said about Baptist polity and go on and make recommendations. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So what, what do you think the report does well? What, what do you think it gets right? Well, so,
0: I mean, it, it's, it's a very workmanlike report. Uh, in my legal career, I've done some federal monitoring work where, you know, once a, once a company is caught doing wrong, they hire an outside firm. <clears throat> I will say uh, the point of this kind of report is usually to show that new management is not going to hide anything and that old management is gone. So usually this happens uh, uh, this kind of report is frequently obtained when you say, oops, we found old management in a scandal and now new management is here and we want it to assure everybody Whatever happened to the past is past and new management is clean. and They are totally open uh, because it would hurt, uh, you know, they have some skin in the game and they need to show that they are uh, open and completely honest and transparent. Uh, I am not sure the extent to which Baptists thought this was a uh, management transition, that there's the old guys versus the new guys but there is certainly an element of that so it's it is the report you would expect to say the current administration of the executive committee has thrown open the doors and they have and, and so we've been allowed to, to poke around to our hearts content and here's what we found uh and and I think it does a pretty good job at that so it communicates the openness of the current leadership to allow you to investigate what happened up until June one of twenty twenty two, which was the date, or twenty twenty one, which was the date on the motion. Right. So it's good that it shows openness about those things.
1: Over the objections of the old guard. Over the
0: objections of the old guard, uh, uh, and it's uh, you know I think it's true. You probably didn't have to waive attorney-client privilege to get at what's in this report. And that that will be that will be debated until the end
1: of time. I say we'll never, know now, factual, but... we'll never know now.
0: We'll never know now. Uh, and, and, of course, other folks will say, well, obviously, this proves things are wrong. Um, I do think it's interesting to, to say, does this report answer your questions about the Moore letter? From the, If you looked at, at the Moore letter in 2021, does what this report describe look like what he described? Because the report mostly seems to say the executive committee was asleep, except for about three folks. And that the problem in the convention was the lawyers were in charge, or, or were given reign over litigation matters, and it was a litigation matter. Uh, and and the criticism seems to be that they should have kept everybody else in the loop about what was going on about abuse. So it, I I think if you compare the two, does the report match the accusations? In some ways, no. In some ways, yes. Right there, there is. There's obviously concern about abuse, and, and it's fair to say uh, it looks like it was mishandled. And I think people now agree the response should not have been a brick wall, uh, no matter how good a litigation defense that was. It's probably not something the convention can just ignore forever uh, and hope it goes away. There is some relationship between the convention and its, uh, its Christian duty to help and assist churches respond to abuse. Um, now that brings that brings up the, the, the distinction. I, I do think there's a difference between preventing abuse, which is what most churches, I think, are thinking about. When, when they think about the sex abuse crisis in the SBC, they're thinking about, well, how do we prevent abuse from happening? We need to talk to each other more. We need to have this database. Uh, We need to have this set of policies. So most of that is a preventive defensive mindset. And I will say, I I think most folks are missing the bigger, what what amounts to the bigger concern uh, or the bigger battle, which is responding to abuse. Assuming abuse happens, then what is the church's response Claims or allegations of abuse, and I think those tend to be more theological, political, and ideological than most people realize. Uh, and, and I think that will be a big uh, issue down the road.
1: Uh, well, before I, I want to get there, although given given how long we've been talking about this, we may not get there today. <laughs> this may have to be a two parter. Um, any anything else you think the uh, the report does well? And I'll I'll run a couple I had by you just to see sure. If I'm, make sure I'm not crazy, but I want to I want to give you the chance first. Uh,
0: well, give me yours. Uh, I'm always worried about I was what people think has happened.
1: Well, for, for one, uh, uh, the the documents that this makes available that otherwise either would never have been available or would have been released piecemeal and not collected all into one place, I think are very helpful. Um, like like. Uh, And and I guess you you mentioned this a couple of times. We should also explain that there was a big fight over whether or not the executive committee, the the entity that sort of runs things when the convention is not in session, would waive attorney-client privilege. Uh, And uh, there were multiple votes by the executive committee over that. Uh, There there were good reasons not to do so. Uh, There were good reasons to do so. Uh, and the the end result was they, they chose to waive privilege, uh, and now these documents are available. Whether they would have been available or not, you know, who knows. Um, but I, I think having them all brought together in one place is, is helpful. I also think the, uh, uh, the, the uh, investigation, as far as I can tell from someone who is only reading this and who is on the outside of all of this, I mean, I, I don't think I personally know anyone who's mentioned in it, uh, if I do, I've I've forgotten. Uh, I guess. Are you, I? I don't think you're in it. Are you?
0: No, I'm not in it. But catch yourself, lucky. Oh, uh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah lots yeah, of the a... folks that were mentioned in a good or for good well, or yeah. Good. yeah,
1: yeah, which uh, is is probably important to to note. Also, some of the sexual assault perpetrators were higher ups in the Southern Baptist Convention. So uh, it's it's uh, there there is work to be done on this. Certainly. And. Yeah.
0: Um, and personally, you know, I think the most surprising Allegation in the report that seemed to be Out of left field for most folks was the allegation That uh, Johnny Hunt In uh, 2010 uh, Had uh, uh, Assaulted, the allegation was He had assaulted a woman at a peach condo Shortly after his Term of service as the uh, SBC President, yep. and and I Was the chairman of the Order of Business Committee That year, I was on the, the platform with Johnny Hunt, uh, all That convention in 2010 uh, right before that happened, so certainly I'd worked with dr hunt uh, and uh, and that allegation uh, was a bombshell There's just a way around it
1: and and to to the committee's credit or to the the report uh, compiler's credit as as far as I can tell, they did an excellent job sort of investigating all of those sorts of things so they their method was they they threw things open said, hey, if you have a story of this." come and talk to us if something comes out in the media we will do our best to pursue that uh, and they they seem to have genuinely tried to investigate people who were accused many of them refused to talk which hey that's that's understandable I think but uh, they, they did try make a good faith effort to, to do a full investigation and then include the results of that like both sides as best as I can tell that, that was both both sides were, were included there um, I also uh, I also appreciate that they're the report did reveal that there were some shenanigans going on on the part of the executive committee. Uh, it seems apparently, as you point out, largely the attorneys uh, who were who were kind of with their foot on the gas there, uh, and a lot of them, kind of a surprising amount of them, and maybe this is just because of the nature of the evidence available, but a lot of them had to do with what was covered in the Baptist press uh, and how it was covered. Uh, and again, I, th- I think that is that is probably an area, and again, for our listeners who haven't read this, if you haven't read this report, Uh, Some of the reporting on this was done by the convention's media, uh, uh, official media source, uh, and it was heavily, heavily doctored not by the reporters, uh, but by the convention attorneys. So uh, one instance, I'd I'd have to go back and look at the the specifics, but uh, one individual who who claimed to have been sexually assaulted, uh, they edited it in such a way that made it sound consensual. Uh, and, And again, I think that's It's good to have all of that publicly available, uh, especially as you know Baptists who believe in a a democratic polity and open discussion and so forth
0: Yeah, I guess um, uh, my concern Globally about the project uh, I I think we had said before or maybe I've I've mentioned to you I, I think There are several narratives about what was the problem? Right. uh how do you explain all these phenomena and and the the explanation that strikes me as the worst possible explanation is don't worry it was the old Baptist not the new Baptist <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and, and so uh, what solutions will we adopt well we are the new solution putting putting new guys young guys that don't have a history in place uh because they've made no mistakes yet and so Merely by replacing the old with the new, that's our solution. Congratulations, you've got us in this in position now. Were you going to make any changes? No, not many changes. So that would be the worst possible explanation for Baptists to understand was, don't worry, it's just the old guys, and now it's guys that are uh, 40 and uh, 50 years old instead of 60 and 70 years old. The biggest problem was age uh, In in the words of Dr. Moore, I think it was a a gerontocracy. The problem was a a bickering gerontocracy that he couldn't live with. Uh,
1: So, I guess I... maybe a good segue into what is it doing wrong, but sorry, I I interrupted Yeah,
0: so I mean, I'm at least concerned with how the report was staffed. How, How did people come to be on this Report and what relationships did they have with other entities? Were they what stories did we not get in this report that were told? Uh, there, there had to be some decisions on the scope. I, I tell you, sure. I, I talked to Guidepost. I gave an interview. I'm not in the report uh, about uh, what I had observed in certain places, uh, and, and so obviously Guidepost made some determination. Some things are in, and some things are out. Uh, And I am Concerned that it can Be framed as well look it was Just this one group of lawyers in this one Entity and they're gone now And so there's there's really no Nothing else to be concerned about And and like I said the the solution Will be the same rules apply We still have kings in the SBC We still give them unlimited power We still don't hold them accountable but they're new guys And the new guys have better theology Uh, And so uh, if, If you've followed me for any length of time and I don't know why you would have but if you had you would have heard me say things like uh, it really is no solution to the problems in the SBC to, to say well maybe these new guys are the solution we, we keep sending optimistic bright faced young theologians into the system and in 10 or 15 years they come out miserable uh, and they look like shadows of themselves uh, and they've done terrible things and so we need to admit this system is not broken because we've just failed to send uh, good people. We keep so sending good people. Who, who
1: is who is making this claim? Because I've, I've not heard this before this conversation, that the, well, we the problem is like, just all these old guys in there.
0: Well, so, certainly uh, we act like, well, look, you know, here was the problem with the old guard in the 60s. The conservative resurgence comes along, and so now we've got good theology. And that's great, we've got good theology, but then we promptly... Failed to supervise those guys, right? So the the bright young things of the conservative resurgence, by the end, some of that looked kind of gross, right? That, uh, and certainly, Doctor Patterson, uh, uh, apart from any misconduct, DePage Patterson of the 1970s, who's a organizer and a debater and a and a, a public theologian, by the end is is scraping up donations for stained glass in a chapel that looks like a an image to everybody that looks at it, this is kind of gross, this memorialization. Uh, yeah, of,
1: listener, the, the stained glass window of it was of himself.
0: Right, well, yeah, and, and friends, right? Yeah. So raise lots of money uh, to have these memorials to sell. Uh, and, and uh, you know, there's always some waste in any organization, but uh, to treat conservative leaders like landed uh, aristocracy right? You, we need to give them a house We need to give them a driver We need to give them a chef uh, uh, yeah. There's some of that you can put up with In a democratic organization but But not a lot It, it cannot be A class based system So when you look at how The conservatives had better theology And then failed To manage their organizations That seems to me to be A a, the failure of the of the conservative resurgence, is that they had the opportunity, they had better theology, but at the end, they failed to manage themselves and their organizations. Trustees did pay attention.
1: Well, that yeah, that's certainly true. I don't know that I'd heard that tied into this this particular issue before.
0: And, and I think it's certainly possible for young. Restless in reform to come along and say We're not the revivalists, we're not the emotionalists We got it down, we've read Nine marks, we got all nine marks More or less uh, And so we're in and, and we're Doing it right and if they just Had good theology they would have known how to run things And now we've got elders and we've Got uh, these theological Innovations uh, and so now We'll send our folks into the SBC System and they get ground Up and, and turn bad as well uh, so it seems to me The problems are not We need more young people with better theology That as an answer Is an insufficient answer to the problems That Baptists will face and, and as long as you keep doing that Keep feeding new fuel into the fire uh, I think you'll see the same mistakes Repeated uh, And then you'll see you know, The same concerns why, why How do we send the sinner down there? Well the answer is we're all sinners If we don't plan <laughs> If you don't assume the new person you're sending down is a sinner, you'll let them do whatever they want, and they quickly, uh, uh, the system corrupts them. The the system requires them to do things that will corrupt their soul. And and by that I mean give the appearance of success, right? In, In Baptist life, no one pays attention as long as you're doing well. It's when you mess up that then you come under intense scrutiny and criticism. And so that breeds people that always give a good report can hmm. never say we got problems here uh, until the problems are too big to hide and then it looks like well we sent the wrong person down we just we need a new person so th- that's my uh, meta scope criticism of the way Baptist organizations run it would be a lot better if we sent in good people but assumed they were sinners, and and that's what the board was there for was to help them help watch them and steward them and trustee uh, be trustees of that relationship uh not just uh, applause
1: well now uh, i think that's a, a good that would be a good transition point into what should the southern baptist convention do now uh first uh, i want to see if you had any other things that you think the report should have should have focused more on should have should have done better uh, and then again I'll, I'll run the couple of things that i had i had by you
0: yeah i think um uh, obviously the open question is what's going to happen with these suggestions. If you're going to, if you're going to take their suggestions at face value, then there are some things there to debate, but if, obviously if they're going to be rejected by the committee. Then we're going to see what happens uh, next year. I, I do think uh, my concern uh, and, and I expressed this before the convention in an article I'd written with Josh Abattoy at the federalist uh that from my perspective we're talking about legally significant things and there certainly is the risk in this area that baptists will lose control of the ability to make decisions right at some point you could acquire liabilities or make promises you can't keep in ways that will frustrate victims uh that will incur legal liability that will in essence uh leave the convention not to be controlled by Baptists, but to be controlled by courts and, and law and, and other, uh, other institutions. So I think that is a risk that if you do this poorly, that if you apologize and accept responsibility for things you don't tend to, to do, that will be far worse than if you've done nothing at all. Uh, and so I think that remains a concern. What are we being asked to do and what do Baptists want to do? And so uh, before the convention, I had said, if I'm going to vote for any proposal from here on out, I want to see it in writing. I don't want to lose control to a committee. I want to know what the convention is going to do and will be responsible for. So there's been a proposal about a database containing credible accusations of sex abusers, uh, and uh, everyone agrees it's a skeleton proposal. The convention voted on a skeleton proposal. That needs more work. It is not yet uh, what most Baptists would agree on as a just system. It could be, but it always could be. And so, at least from from my point as to as to what, if the question is, what am I accepting here in this vote? What legal consequence will my vote have? If I'm never going to get a chance to look at this again, I want to see what the final product is in writing before I vote on it, and that. That didn't happen at this convention. Uh, that's the fairest way to say that. Uh, that Baptist overwhelmingly wanted it uh, to be off their plate and being solved. Uh, and I'm a little more comfortable with waiting to see the product than than being able to say the committee's got it. But they gave it to the committee, and so the committee is going to come back uh, with recommendations for various groups, and we'll see we'll see what those look like. Uh,
1: other other. Uh, weaknesses in the report. Other thing that the other things the report misfires on.
0: Um, you know, I I will say we'll, we'll go back to things it, it does well. I do think there's room for a database in Baptist life. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I part of my job uh, working with conventions, I've been able to dig back in Baptist papers and and you would find things like letters to the editor about you know beware of Pastor so and so who's abused our women and stolen from our widows. Uh, so the the Baptist paper, uh, they they had no litigation fear back then, a hundred years ago. Uh, it was it was open season on pastors. And Some say, well, that that violates the biblical uh, uh, methods as well. But that to say, I, I do think there needs to be a cooperative method for churches to feel safe to talk to each other about uh, issues that aren't illegal misconduct. It isn't illegal. It is not illegal misconduct that not illegal its not illegal Uh, in most cases, uh, to say something offensive to a woman or make a pass uh, or say something suggestive, uh, at least to adults. Uh, It's not illegal uh, in most cases to have a true affair. I think Baptists should be able to talk about that. And if you're scared to talk about those kinds of things, uh, uh, I'm concerned that you're failing your obligation to other churches. So in some ways, I'm glad to see that discussion happen. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what proposals made as to how that system uh, Will look and what it'll be and what uh, safeguards are in place but I do think uh, at least the churches need to be a little more talkative between each other and and The report did a good job of laying that out.
1: Sure Yeah, I, I, I agree my my issue with the report was I think they were unclear uh, when they were switching what they were talking about, if that makes sense. So uh, uh, the the charge was to investigate the executive committee, and I assume by extension the entities, right? The seminaries, the IMB, the, the people who are to some extent uh, uh, employees of the Southern Baptist Convention in a way that local churches are not. Uh, the, the problem was there, there were times when the report was giving us information about the committee. There were times when it was giving us information about, say, employees at the seminaries. Uh, there were times when it was giving us information about uh, sexual assault that had happened at a local church. A- and and those are those are different things, and they, they weren't clear exactly uh, when they were talking about which. Because one of those things is, is going to be a concern of all Southern Baptists, Churches, you know, if our if our executive committee, uh, if if there's someone on there who's you know sexually assaulting women, that's that's something we all, we all probably need to know. Uh, if it's something that's happening in a local church, my responsibility towards that church is very different. I, I am not responsible for that church, in the same way that I am responsible for the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, is is that fair?
0: Yeah. So, uh, like I said, there obviously was some decisions about scope. And so right. I, I do think Guidepost narrowed the scope to fairly tightly connected to the executive committee or its responses to abuse. Uh, and so uh, I think if you, if you were worried that there was a rash of abuse at the executive committee, then this report should allay your fears. There's not a lot of that but, you know, employees of the Southern Baptist Convention that we know of at the at the executive committee.
1: Right, and the ones are, they did report were pretty. Like, once it was discovered, it was pretty swiftly and, I think, yes. generally justly dealt with. Yeah. I uh, mean, yeah. one, one of them was a professor at Southern Seminary, and, I mean, he was canned and, I think, turned over to the authorities. Uh,
0: I do think, to you, your point about scope, I do think there is a, an ongoing issue at the other entities. Does this kind of thing need to be done at the other entities? Certainly at Nam. Where so North the American North Mission American Board, Mission Board. Right. So we, we get this report in it from Guidepost that says we've got this report about Johnny Hunt in 2010 while he was president and therefore connected to the executive committee. And then sure. it stops. Well, Johnny Hunt was a pastor of a local church for a while, but then went on to be a fairly high executive at the North American Mission Board in charge of evangelism, in charge of lots of programs. He ran this ministry where lots of folks. Uh, went to beach locations and condos. Uh, pastors and pastors' wives were there. Uh, and and concerningly, uh, Johnny was very close friends with Ravi Zacharias, and Johnny prayed at the dedication of Ravi Zacharias' massage parlor in Alpharetta, Georgia. And so uh, with those kinds of facts, you should be asking, well, maybe we need some other investigation at other SBC entities. How, you know, are there other matters Not directly connected to the executive committee That a similar investigation Would uncover elsewhere and, and, and like I said My concern is The attitude will be Well no, the old guys are gone That was We, we found the problem No use to keep on digging uh, And so I, I certainly support And tried to support At the convention uh, A forensic audit of NAM That would have uh been able to look into those kinds of issues. Rachel Denhollander had indicated online that she would have supported such uh, an investigation uh, and Nam has been silent. there's been no support and uh, the the president and the parliamentarians and the lawyers of the convention all uniformly agreed that the convention couldn't be allowed to vote on that request this year uh, or at least that instruction they, they they can't do to the to Nam what happened to the executive committee last year and that's a concern wait a minute why is why is this thing available to be investigated but all the all the guys that remained uh all the all the current leadership they can't be investigated
1: so my, my impression of that was that they were just blindsided last year and weren't prepared to shut it down and this year they were readier to do so
0: uh, I think it's fair to say there were folks that wanted it to happen last year and folks that didn't want it to happen last year. And the folks that wanted it to happen were in places to, to get it done. Uh, but all, all that to say, uh, I do think there's a concern, you know, as you're the Baptist out in the pew, the question is, is this convention responsive to my needs? And the answer, I hope is not, just when it benefits leadership, when it sure. benefits the current guys. We need to have some rules that apply to everybody. So there were actually two motions made at the 2021 convention. Uh, one of them was for the report. The other was for an independent study survey of the convention related to sex abuse. And I know uh, some folks have thought that should include the other entities rather directly. I know others have thought, well, that should just be a statistical study just a hotline. If anybody calls in, we'll report that. So there's some disagreement about how deep that uh, motion should be handled. And I'm hoping it's not the case uh, that because it looks like uh, you know the old guard has cleared out, that, that that turns into nothing. That turns into not a real study. Whatever the rules are, everyone wants to know what the rules are and how do they apply and what are we adopting so that we can all walk forward together it can 't just be well the old is gone and the new is here uh, and we 're we 're on our way
1: well let 's uh, let 's move move towards the end because uh, we <laughs> we 're at an hour already uh, uh, let's let 's ask practically uh, where do Southern Baptists need to go and I, I want to ask this on two levels I want to ask with regard to our national convention the executive committee our entities and so on and you 've you 've touched on some of that already but I, I also want to end with asking uh, what that needs to look like for the local church, uh, not not internally, so I'm not asking a, like in my local congregation question, I'm hoping to have someone else on to, to go through that in, in sort of detail, but uh, in terms of my local churches, or of, of a local Baptist church's relationship with those national entities, uh, what what does that need to look like? So let's let's start nationally and then we'll, we'll talk locally. Um, so nationally, what kinds of changes need to be made to the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee? entities and so forth. You, you've already mentioned some, but go ahead and yeah. repeat uh, those I, or reinforce.
0: I, the big question is, what is the national, or the national entity is going to accept responsibility for? Uh, in the resolution that was passed this year, it sounds like the convention is going to start accepting responsibility for training local churches uh, to make sure they've got, and that would be a, a fairly big change of Baptist polity, frankly, to adopt that responsibility. Uh, uh, tra- tra- training that. in
1: what way? So, so, Certainly there is information available. I mean, the National Convention can trains people. We have seminaries, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the National Convention already trains people. Uh, we train missionaries. We, we train pastors. But is this going to be classes at the seminary? Uh, is it going to be, here's stuff online that you can read? Like, what will it look like?
0: Yeah, I, I, I think there are certainly a wide range of outcomes there. The question is, do we, do we have to make sure everyone's got it? Uh, Do we have to make sure they've read the materials if we provide them? Uh, Does this look like kind of an HR compliance regime? Or do we think if we just throw these out on the website, we've we've reasonably trained everybody? That will certainly be uh, an issue. Another issue is what is it we're training about? Like I said, there's kind of one area that is how do you prevent abuse? What policies can we put in place in the nursery and staffing and background checks? What's that look like to prevent abuse? And then the second issue is, how do we respond to women and children, more often than men, but, and men? How do we respond to people who have been abused? And, and the claim is we need to change, uh, in some ways, our theology and response about how we think about and respond to people who have been abused in order to melt them uh, either reintegrate or feel comfortable in church, and I, I think Southern Baptists are going to have to wrap their arms around what is it? What is it we believe about that? What is it uh, that explains abuse? Is it a problem of power dynamics? Uh, is it uh, what do we believe that implies about sin and not sin? Uh, certainly, it was, it was it was interesting that uh, the report at one point, defines uh, what it means to be trauma-informed, which is a, a counseling and uh, uh, health provider term, what it means to be trauma-informed. And, and Guidepost says, well, certainly that means we're not assigning, assigning guilt or blame to anybody who claims they've been involved in an abusive relationship. Uh, and I, that is a fairly big statement about harmartiology, that I'm not sure all Baptists agree with. That's that's a a statement about sin and blame and salvation, uh, and so there are some of those issues. What is it? But but,
1: but again, some of that's going to depend on who you're talking about, right? So if if you're talking about the national convention, right, that that may very well be the right response to say, look, right. we're we're not going to adjudicate this. Uh, you come to me saying, I was assaulted by my pastor. I, I think not assuming no, you weren't, uh, is probably a good thing. Right. But also not assuming, yeah, the guy's definitely guilty. Right. right? Uh, so so if, if that's what they mean, you know, uh, seems reasonable.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think there's lots of uh, lots of leaves to be put on these trees, lots of flesh to be put on these bones, uh, but certainly those are big statements uh, about which there's disagreement in the world. Uh, right. And so the question is, do Baptists have a unifying theory? Will the convention As a whole the leadership adopt a theory uh, and is that consistent with what our churches will actually do right Uh, then beyond that uh, your question was what should how should local churches
1: yeah so so again let's assume you know God God forbid there there is a uh, a claim where someone someone claims to have been sexually assaulted Uh, what what is that going to mean Uh, from the perspective of the national convention, so uh, so let's let's say you know I'm on the executive committee, uh, and in my local and someone in my state emails me, says, "Hey, Pastor Pastor So and So has sexually assaulted me." Uh, what what needs to change? What what needs to be the reaction there? Uh, does it need to be a different reaction than we've had in the past? Uh, what what needs to happen?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, there are certainly changes that need to be made about how some of our knee-jerk reactions go to those accusations. I do think probably for too long, uh, we've had an expectation of how women should act uh, in abusive situations. That is not in fact how lots of women respond. So because it doesn't look like what we've imagined as a problematic situation, uh, we don't respond correctly. So I, I do think if you get that kind of, uh, notification you can't sit on it you can't think well let's see how this goes Uh, certainly uh, if it involves a child you have to report that to authorities immediately Uh, but then secondly i think baptist organizations probably need uh, to rely on experts and investigators i do think that's an important point that where there's a question about what happened uh, it's important to rely on experts uh, to kind of help you formulate what are the facts and then to divorce the fact finding body from the decision-making body. Like that's, that's the hardest part of this question is that the group, sometimes the group that's assigned with protecting assets or protecting the reputation of the church or protecting the focus of the ministry is, uh, they're then asked to to be a neutral fact finder, and that's almost impossible for them to do. Sure. So, so we do need to think about in our Baptist entities uh, if there's a serious allegation of misconduct, what does a a real uh, decision making process look like that's fair to all sides that doesn't assume this is a made up story. Uh, that doesn't assume necessarily that the accused is automatically guilty of everything, uh, what is the best process to go through to get facts uh, that we can then uh, make good decisions on? Um, and so I think uh, that's probably how Baptists need to respond to those claims.
1: I, I think in your answer there, you you shifted, though. I had, I had asked about local congregations and national association, and you shifted into the Baptist entities.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think uh, in theory, churches have mechanisms to do that, right? In theory, churches do have church discipline mechanisms, um, and those are not often used. So, I mean, I do think churches, if you don't have church discipline mechanisms, you do need to have some plan as to how you can get facts. Uh, well,
1: sure, but but again, now you're, now you're internally in the church. I mean, between the... Right. The, the convention and the church right which which is the the issue in the report uh, when when someone comes to me from local church whatever if I'm a member of the convention and they say hey there's this issue of sexual assault uh, one of the concerns is that either there was no response or it was a wrong response uh, and again I think some of this is American assumptions like well why don't you why don't you punish them as the convention well it you know the, the the powers to do that are limited, and the the report is asking a, asking the convention or encouraging the convention to, if not increase those powers, but but to clarify, uh, and actually use them.
0: Well, I mean certainly the they have agreed to form a some kind of uh, database, and I think that's important. Like I said, I I think there needs to be a way to talk more uh, directly between congregations or to pass that information uh, and as a cooperative uh, effort between local churches I do think that's something the convention can take on uh, I do think local churches need to send trustees and feel comfortable asking trustees uh, what do you know about these issues are you paying attention to these issues What what's, what is your organization's response uh, certainly uh, if, if you have an allegation that's public about, well, there's all kinds of abuse and racism and harassment at such and such organization, the question is, what are you doing about that? What, what did trustees do about that? And if the answer is, well, we trusted leadership to do that uh, rather reflexively, then uh, that's a concern. So, I mean, I, I hope churches are more uh, aware about what their entities are doing. Uh, that they send trustees that are more willing to lean in on these issues and not just be hands off. Uh, you know, I'm a lawyer, but I, I don't want to make bad decisions for my clients or for abuse victims. Uh, I can tell you my advice, I can tell you the risks, uh, but I'm there to help clients make good decisions, uh, uh, not to railroad them. Uh, and so to the extent, it through a combination of, of professional responsibility and people asleep at the switch, uh, the entire SBC response w- was in amongst one or two folks. Uh, and, and now everyone says, oh, we're surprised. We, we had no idea it was this bad. Uh, that indicates trustees and organizations need to kind of lean in and make sure that this is not a one or two man operation.
1: Right. Well, anything else you want to uh, uh, say to the listener uh, about Southern Baptist Convention and, uh, and sexual assault, uh, either the report or generally uh, church polity, national, national institutions, what, what have you?
0: Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the takeaway, if you're going to have a takeaway from what's happened, is that Baptists care about this issue, and they want to see something change. Uh, and they want to communicate that we both believe in safety for children and women in our congregations that we uh, hate sexual abuse uh, that we will go through almost any length to stop sexual abusers that's what we want to be known for Uh, I do think it's possible as a lawyer to make promises you can't keep Uh, it's you know It's one thing to say we believe uh, that uh, every orphan should have a home. It's another thing to say we agree to accept all the orphans uh, in our local church. You don't have the tax power or the capacity to do that, uh, and so be careful about the promises you make because it it can make things worse if you make promises that in... Swamp the other responsibilities of the organization, and I I am concerned about that. I've made my concerns public uh, We'll just have to see what happens uh, Baptists will be watching uh, And uh, I certainly hope the the outcome is We are known for being a safe place uh, That we do have good ways to respond to abuse, but that we don't make promises that end up uh, hurting both the the causes we were cooperating for and the victims we were trying to help
1: Alright, well that might be a good place to bring this to an end Uh, John, thank you for taking time to come on the show again Sure, happy to do it We'll have you on for a more cheerful topic next time Okay, sounds good well, thank you listeners for tuning into the city of man podcast the city of man is part of the christian humanist radio network our press liaison is kristen philippic please check out the other podcasts in our family and get more information about this show or our show notes by visiting christianhumanist.org please also leave us a review on itunes to help other people find our show like our facebook page at facebook.com city of man podcast or get in touch with us at city of man podcast at gmail.com this is Coyle neal reminding you to render unto caesar those things that are. Are Caesar's, and render unto God those things that are God's. This land is your land, and this land is my land, from the California to the New York Island,
0: from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. As I went a walk in that ribbon of high...